On this episode of the Culture Pop Podcast, Sue and I talk a little about our spouses, what makes them special, and what sometimes makes them annoying. Plus, we are joined by actor Sean Murray, who is in his 19th season on television's number one rated series, NCIS. Don't forget to subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple or Spotify. Easy way to do that is to go to stevemason.com. And after you subscribe, please leave us a rating and a review. The Culture Pop Podcast is brought to you by the law offices of Jacob and Ronnie. Accident or injury, call Jacob and Ronnie. Call Jacob. Hey, it's Mace. If you or a friend or loved one is injured in an accident, the first person you should call is my friend Jacob. When I did this, Jacob was great. He helped me by talking through the next steps, which really put my mind at ease. When you're injured in an accident, you got to have an expert. That's why you call Jacob, just like I did. Call Jacob, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Or visit calljacob.com. Call Jacob. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason, along with Sue Kalinske. Sue, you look great. Well, thank you, Steve. And uh, you look pretty fine yourself. Thank you. Thank you. I'm back to ball cap for these things. Just wearing a ball cap. That's my that's my standard. You know, if you were to watch me on a daily basis, and there's only one person I know that does that, that's one, you would see that I every day for the last two years since... We've now been doing the show from home since March of 2020. Sweatpants, hoodie, ball cap, period. End of story. Nothing else at all. Even when I go to Rams games, hoodie, ball cap, sweatpants. Oh, I thought maybe that was just your podcast wear. No, no, it's my everything wear. Don't you think that generally speaking, when we come out of this uh, this uh, this pandemic, that people are going to immediately be dressing more casually. Like, isn't that a permanent change? Probably is. And it's funny how sometimes I'll, I'll put something on that's, that's not casual. And it's like, Oh my God, I'm so fancy. And <laughs> like, like today, I mean, I'm, I'm wearing like a button down shirt. Yeah. You know, you're, I never, you're styling. I never, I, you know, every now and then you gotta, gotta, Zhuzh it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we were going to talk about, and we got Sean Murray coming up from NCIS, and I'm excited about that. We're going to talk a little bit about our spouses. Now, uh, I have been uh, locked up with Juan. Locked up isn't the right term. Committed with Juan. Depends on what your relationship is like. (laughs) Long-term relationship, 16 years with Juan. And uh, Sue, you and Tom have been together how long? We started dating in twenty in, in two thousand two, so uh, twenty years. Twenty years, wow! So, but there are things that annoy us a little bit about our spouses. By the way, I'm really happy. I'm going to do this now. Juan will he generally doesn't listen to the podcast, and so I can speak freely. I can totally speak freely. So. Things that annoy and things that you really love. Sue, about Tom, after 20 years, start with things that annoy. Um, he makes the bed when I'm in it. <laughs> it started that he would kind of just do his side. And now it's like, I'm like I'm a mummy, like I'm being buried somewhere. <laughs> 
And I'm like, hey, hey, I'm, I'm in I'm bed. Here. I'm still sleeping. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, he's got, he pulls the curtains open. You know, it's like it's it's like those movies where, you know, it's like royalty and like the, <laughs> the time to wake the up. Handmaid, the handmaiden comes in and 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 draws the curtains and the yeah. bright light comes in and come yeah. on, chup, chup, can get up. Uh, <laughs> so he does he does that on a regular basis. And yeah. It's pretty annoying. Uh, okay, so here's what frustrates me. I think my dogs, our dogs, have no idea what their names actually are because he constantly calls them different names. Mm-hmm. So our dog's names are Fredo and Sophie. And I try to stick to those, even though Sophie's completely deaf now. I try to stick to those because I don't want to confuse the dogs. I want them to know their names. So for one, he will make up a new day, a new name almost every single day. So uh, last week, Fredo's nickname was Cheeto. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and Sophie's nickname was Ruffles. Yeah. Uh, so we went snack foods. Uh, his nicknames have included Tootsie Boots for Sophie, Frey Boots for, like <laughs> for Fredo, uh, Little Mr. Adorable Pants. For Fredo, (laughs) little Miss Adorable Skirt for Sophie. These these are just some of the many nicknames. And I am convinced, by the way, that the dogs have no idea what their names are because he never calls them by the same names. Now, do they respond to anything he says? They respond to absolutely everything. Okay. (laughs) If you speak, they respond. Well, Um, it's also the tone. Isn't it like the tone of how you say it, too? Yeah. Tootsie boots, tootsie boots. <laughs> well, well, you know, Tom, Tom, we, we actually have different names for our dogs. He calls them, um, you know, we, our dog is Tucker and uh, he'll call him Jimmy sometimes. Why Jimmy? He just calls him Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I have no That's idea. So random. But he's, uh, you know, he's Tucker. He's also Boogie. Okay. Um, and um, he's um, Tucker fella. Yeah, a little. You know, I guess we all do this. It's just like as soon as I start calling the the dogs Cheetos, Cheeto, and Ruffles, uh, then they change. So I have to learn a whole new set of names for the dogs because every week it's something different. Right, and actually, actually, Johnson is another name we call him. Johnson. Hey, Johnson. (laughs) So the other thing about Juan is he is extremely, extremely opinionated about my career. So like, like, for example, uh, he will tell me that this, this is recent. He said, I've sort of gave up making TV appearances a while back. I, I just decided, okay, I'm done with that. I did the weekend sports channel. I'm sort of done with it. He kept saying, you have to raise your profile. You have to raise your profile. And so I don't always agree with this. But I always lose. Juan is always right about my career. I did do a bunch of TV and I'm doing a bunch of TV now, both to talk about the Rams, the, you know, the team that I love and about the Culture Pop podcast. So he was right. In other words, whenever he tells me something, I disagree with it. Then I do it anyway. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally, totally. It Now, is it because you just don't want to be told that to that what you're doing isn't the right yes i don't want to be corrected and told i'm doing the wrong thing because i don't do that weirdly i don't do that with him at all 
Like yeah. he just, he cruises at his own altitude right. uh, and does his own. And I'm like, that's great. That whatever, that's fantastic for me. He like digs into, you should contact this boss at this time. You should send this gift at this. He like does, he does all this stuff and I disagree with it and then just go ahead and follow through. Cause I, I, I guess he's right in the end. Yeah. And he sounds like he's a little bit of a life coach. <laughs> he is a life coach. Right. I mean, he often says that I'm like a pig pen from the, uh, from the Charles Schultz uh, cartoons from peanuts. And he just follows me. I, I apparently am not the neatest person in the world. Apparently. So there, will, there will be stuff and he will just follow my path of destruction and try to clean up everything that I have ruined everything that I've messed up the food that I've spilled all that stuff. So I'm pig pen. He's following me around and cleaning it all up. I don't think it's as bad as he does, but he thinks I'm just like out of control slob. Yeah. You see Tom and I, we're both pretty anal, but he, we have separate offices. Right. And, um, his room is like a, he he's a teenager in his room. Okay. In the rest of the house, He's very, very neat. Like he's, you know, he cooks. So, you know, when he cooks, everything is cleaned up before the meal is served. You wow. know, like all of the all of the prep work, the sure. counters wiped down, all of the dishes and pots and pans are are all cleaned. Um, but in his room, he's he's the polar opposite. <laughs> but, what, what's his room look like? Oh, there's clothes everywhere and papers all over his desk and. Um, we have a, uh, you know, there's a couch there. So like all over the couch, there's clothes, right? You know, he just like, doesn't put stuff away. So that's his room to just be a mess. I know, but it's like, I in like everything in my office is everything is always in order. Yeah. Like I'm the, I'm so anal that like, if a drawer is open, just like a tiny bit, yeah, I, I have to go and shut it. <laughs> You know, yeah. Um, anyway, so another thing that really annoys me about him is that, like I said, he's a he's he cooks. Yeah. So there are times when cooks great, by the way, I've had his eggplant Parmesan second best in the world after which, mom's. But we, we have to do a, uh, a taste test, a taste test. So um, there are times when he'll say, uh, all right, do you want to help me do this? Like maybe cut something up or, you know, help him with prepping. So he'll ask me to do it and then I'll start to do it. And he hovers, you know, mm -hmm. and then he'll say, uh, can I show you something? <laughs> and, and, and it's like every time. And he says, why don't you do it like this? And I said, you know something, you do it your way. I'll do it my way. And he says, yeah, but I, it's just easier this way. And I said, for you, for you, it's easier. You know, it, and I, I don't mind that it takes me, you know, five seconds longer to do it. And I know it probably drives you crazy because you know, I'm not doing it the chef way, right? But just let me do it my way. He always has to get involved. And that's, that's annoying. Yeah, I, I get that. Now I do love the fact that, uh, that our dogs do speak. That is one of the great weirdness. Um, uh, things about our house. If you were here, you would hear our dogs talk constantly. Uh, they have full conversations with us 
on a regular basis. So Sophie's voice is, hi, this is Sophie, this is Sophie the Beagle. And Fredo's voice is, hello, uh, I am a from of the old country in Napoli. And then Hollis, who's passed away, still has a voice. Hi, this is Hollis. I'm up in heaven right now. So they can have complete conversations like, Fredo, why do you think did he think so badly? I don't know. It is a terrible. It really hurt in my ears. Um, God is really not happy with that vocal that he's doing right now. So is this an idea for a show or <laughs> is, is this some, how often does this go on in your house? It happens constantly, constantly. I, I want dinner right now. It's, din- it's 630. This is my dinner time. I can they, wait. They, I am not they, hungry yet. Do you keep each other up at night doing <laughs> these voices? <laughs> I swear to God, we do the voice. You would not even believe it. The voices of all of the words spoken in our house, about a third of them are from the dogs. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah, the dogs. We are the stars of the house. <laughs> yes, yeah, so and people love us. Well, so, that's kind of that's well, that's kind of a fun thing. Like I have a lot of fun things with Tom. Yeah, right. Tom actually is a very, very funny guy. So he has this crazy obsession with weather women and belts. Like weather women and belts. Okay. So it started with Jackie Johnson. Jackie Johnson, the, the legendary Jackie the Johnson. The legendary yeah. Jackie Johnson, who looked like Jessica Rabbit. She had like that Jessica <laughs> Rabbit body, right? And she would always wear a belt like over yeah. her dress. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> and and like every now and then if she didn't wear a belt, he'd be like, Oh my God, like she really needs a belt. Like <laughs> so now his new obsession is Olga Espina. Who's, I, who's a friend of mine. Olga's fantastic. I oh, worked okay, with so, her at Channel oh, 11. Okay, so we really, really love Olga Spina. She's the best. She's at Channel 7 channel now, nine. right? Channel, channel 9. Channel 9, okay. So she also has a very, very beautiful figure. She sometimes, she doesn't wear a belt all the time, but she wears a belt sometimes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> last night, last night, right as the anchor <laughs> is throwing to the weather, Tom says belt or no belt he wants to know if she was going to be wearing a belt <laughs> i don't know what it is it's crazy and then he'll always joke with me like i'll come out you know i'll get i'll be dressed and he's like you know what you know what you need <laughs> i'm like a belt he says absolutely you need a belt that's i don't know what it is funny. that's, so that's kind of funny. a funny little gag that he's yeah doing. yeah so yeah so we got lives we got lives People wonder, you know, because I talk about Juan on the air all the time. Mm-hmm. So people always want, what's he like? What's he do? All that kind of stuff. And and he doesn't want it to be public. Uh, he I And I don't quite know why, but he doesn't want it to be public. And yet, you were mentioning weather, Saturday, National Weather Forecasters Day. Now, Juan went to, he did uh, three semesters of weather forecasting online at Penn State and got his degree in weather forecasting. So I'm not supposed to talk about why I'm not supposed. Then he got really upset that when I was talking about the weather forecasters in Los Angeles, like Olga Espina and uh, Maria Caban, who I love at Channel 11 and Dallas Rains and all those guys, Garth Camp, uh, he was upset that I didn't talk about him. So you oh, just really so you just can't win. Right. If you talk about him, you're in trouble. If you don't talk about him, you're in trouble. 
Yeah, I think sometimes Tom gets, you know, a little embarrassed. Like I, I posted a picture of him the uh, yesterday on Facebook and uh, it's just a really, really, he's so handsome in this picture. Yeah. And I just wrote my husband. That's all. Right. Yeah. So all these people are like, oh, my God, look at him. He's so hot. He's so sexy. So he doesn't like it. But then when he saw the comments, he really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm not allowed to put pictures of one on social media. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. He's hardcore. He's hardcore. All right, so uh, let's uh, let's get to our. You know, the number one rated show on television for like forever has been NCIS, and our guest today is one of the stars. Uh, it airs Monday nights at eight on CBS. It was emotional at the beginning of the season because Mark Harmon left the, the show. We'll talk about that. Uh, star Sean Murray is here. Sean, thank you so much for doing this, man. We really appreciate it. Ah, Steve, thanks so much for having me. Hi, Sue. How are you? Good. So you started, geez, 19 years ago on NCIS. Um, yeah. I've been doing my show 18 years at ESPN. And when I think about it, oh, wow. my life kind of flashes before my eyes. You know what I mean? A lot of life happens in two decades. You know, do oh, you have sure. that? Do you have that feeling? Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, absolutely. You know, it's, it's funny. It's kind of like, you know, if, if you're a father, when you have a kid, you know, they say you blink and, and the kids grow up. It's kind of like that when you're on a gig for, you know, near two decades, you got, you know, so much going on and you're, you're working so much that it, yeah, it kind of just is a flash of, of time. You know, it, it doesn't feel like 19 years. I can tell you that. What's amazing to me, I read that your first appearance on the show was supposed to be your only appearance on the show. Yeah, you were, it was you were a guest star. Right. It was a one gig, uh, one episode thing there. And um, they kind of left it. You know, what happened was they it, it was only supposed to be yeah, one episode deal. But at the end, my character was a good guy, wasn't a bad guy, wasn't incarcerated, wasn't dead. So that's a good start to begin with, you know, and they also kind of insinuated that he was uh, going to date the Abby character or, or had gone on a date with the Abby character. So anyway, it was just I wasn't uh, the character McGee was not in the next show, you know, not in the next script. And uh, um, but they had they had finished filming that episode and they ended up coming in like three minutes short on the episode. And so. They were like, well, we got to do something here. We can't just add a scene or two. We need a, a full C story or something going on here. Hey, let's bring McGee back. We'll stick him with Tony, you know, Weatherly's character that he did, Tony Denozo. Um, you know, they had, they had fun together. We'll stick them together with a little C story. And uh, so I came back. We did that. It 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 felt good. Then from that point on, we they started having just small McGee appearances through the first uh uh season there you know and uh they were popping up one by one each episode they were progressively getting bigger and there was a feeling of like uh of something there uh that was just really kind of cool and we could all feel it i felt it they felt it it was kind of like there was a um a slice of the pizza that was missing I, I would, if that sounds, you know, sure. weird, but sure. it was sort of a, a character that fulfilled a lot of, was able to do a lot of things uh, and not do a lot of things that the other characters could. It was just a whole different dynamic and brought something fun. So we ended up finishing that first season and, you know, just kind of, I remember saying to Harmon and the guys there, you know, 
I don't know. We'll see what happens. And, you know, Mark kind of looking at me and kind of giving me, well, I think we basically may see. It. And, you know, then that summer they offered me the full-time gig and, and here I am 18 years after that. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, you know, I follow the, the ratings of, of things. And I was just looking at, for example, the winter Olympics, the ratings are down. Uh, the NBA finals, the ratings, are, the, the Super Bowl is like the exception, right? The NFL just sure, well, defies, yeah, sure. defies gravity, but your show defies gravity. I mean, you guys have been number one for as long as I can remember most watched show on television. What makes your show one that really defies gravity? You know, I, it's, it's really wild and we try not to think about it too much. You know what I mean? Um, it, it's, it's, it's just wild. I don't know. I mean, if we, if, if you know, if, Obviously, if people knew the recipe, they'd be creating these shows left, right, and center. Um, you know, I think it's a lot of happy accidents. I think it's a lot of the fact that we kind of found our our, our groove and kind of what we were good at. And, and we found when we were clicking, we were onto something. And it, it just, you know, it, 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 it's... <laughs> Forgive me. What was the original question? I'm in my 40s now, so I have a, <laughs> yeah. my short-term memory is a disaster. How's the show? How's the show stayed number one for so long? Oh, see, by me not thinking about it at all, obviously. Uh, no, but uh, <laughs> no, it, it's. I mean, I have no idea. We just we're 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 so fortunate, you know. We've we've created these characters that we've loved, and we've taken really good care of them, and we've never stopped trying. We never have, and I know. You know, you know, as well as I know, Steve, that there's so many, you know, people out there, so many gigs, so many shows where, you know, by the time they get to their third or fourth year, people are looking for, you know, the grass is greener somewhere else. And, and, you know, they're, but we have always felt that we were doing something that worked and was different. And, um, it was just clicking with people and it, it, I don't know. It, it just, it's amazing that 19 years later, we're, we're still the number one show. It's insane. I mean, I, I just heard recently that I think for 2021 of the top hundred one hour telecasts of 2021, uh, we have like 21 or 22 of crazy. those spots. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And they moved us to a different, you know, night. We're now on Mondays at nine. We were on Tuesdays at eight for 18 years straight. So there was also, you know, moving to a new night and a new time, and you never know how that's going to go. And it just, we're very fortunate. You know, we have an incredibly loyal fan base that, that is just, I mean, really, I, I can't do anything but thank them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I've been doing this for 33 years. You know, I've, I've done 100 jobs. So, you know, most people know me from NCIS and Hocus Pocus. But meanwhile, I've done a hundred different gigs, you know, so we, we all know that if that does not happen, shows are not meant, shows aren't meant to go six years, seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Let alone two decades. I mean, that's insane, but you know, we have, we feel like we have a responsibility, like, because we have, you know, because people are, people have stuck with us so long. We're not going to like phone it in. We, we're just not going to do that. If we're phoning it in, then like, what are we doing? Why are we there? Right. I mean, mean? The cast is is as much of your family as as your real family. You know, when you think about it, nineteen years. Yeah. Um, oh no, without a doubt. I mean, you know, th- absolutely. I spend more time with some of my co-stars than I have my children. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> you, you know, and and even my wife of you know sixteen years. So, 
but I mean, that's just how, and, and as you know, like a show, especially in its first, definitely us, you know, but a lot of shows in your first two, three years, you're working out your kinks, you're figuring out what you are. And as a result, you're working 17 hour days. You're, you know, you're going home to get eight hours, seven hours sleep if you're lucky and then going right back to work. I mean, that's the first couple of years. If you're really busting your butt, you know, yeah. trying to make it happen and trying to, trying to find something good. I mean, cause it doesn't just, the one thing that I I've learned is that you know, it's funny. I think about not not to compare ourselves to the Beatles by any means, but you know, the Beatles documentary. You're watching that, and the one thing that I was watching, the Let It Be documentary, you know, that's out now is like everyone thinks these guys just came up with these songs and had them in their heads. You get to see these guys and how hard they have to work yeah, to yeah. find the good. And obviously, the battle the Beatles found a lot better than good. You know, they found amazing transcendent but i'm not saying you know that's us but just they had to the work that they had to put in people don't see the work you put in and there is yeah that beat that beatles doc is fantastic i mean just oh my god that's so much fun to me it's like a historical uh you know archive you know my favorite moment in that thing is where by the way i haven't seen the third part yet i've seen the first two i won't i won't spoil it for you i won't spoil it for you they do do break up at the end so, <laughs> so, so there's that scene where McCartney is sort of strumming and coming up with get back. I don't know if right, that right. was that. And, and then Lennon sort of adds his thing, but yeah, like there's a vibe into there's, it. There's like a magic that exists oh, uh, with those guys. It's um, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And you can, I mean, to me, it's like, you can see that they were on their different paths at that point, that they were on their way to the different paths. You know, Apple Corp was happening, yeah, was happening. And, you know, everyone was kind of going off to do their projects. But even with everyone in their deal, and you could very much see John was in a very kind of particular place at that time. Oh, yeah. You know? But but and and Paul very much seemed like, you know, the the ring leader trying to keep every all of it together and keep everyone going, you know, but but all of them together were just so bloody magical sorry my mother's australian so i say bloody a lot bloody magical and and, yeah. and just like it was unbelievable to see that happen and how they could lay in with each other and 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 just zone into each other into that zone i you know i i don't you know you know so what magical I, it's one, one of the about. things that came out for me was that yoko has a really bad rap i, like, I said the same thing like yoko really didn't do it they just started to there was friction between them. You right. can see it in that documentary and it had nothing to do with Yoko. Yoko did not right. break up the Beatles. No, it was like John just needed Yoko there to function. That's the spot he was in. Yoko pretty much stayed out of things. The only time she got involved was when they were like messing around in between or they, you know, that they were having her do something. It's not like she was walking around telling Paul what to play. You know, hey, Octopus's garden goes like this, you know, or whatever. <laughs> it, it, it's just, you know, that's what I remember coming in the weekend after that documentary and in the hair and makeup trailer to doing a whole diatribe on it and saying, like, Yoko is so vindicated. by <laughs> And Paul even says, like, look, John is in love and this is what he needs. You know, you like you got to understand this. This makes sense. And that's part of how those guys work. They understood yeah. each other like that. And, right. and you know, Paul. Paul had his wife and Stella was running around getting into trouble everywhere and making, you know, a racket when she was, when the daughter was there too. So it's like, it was a family thing for a lot of them, you know, hell George had two Harry Krishnas in the corner. 
<laughs> who did those guys they never talked right they just cut to them every once right. in a while it was creepy and Look, then I'm george just walks out in the middle of everything george is just like I'm oh out no of that was that was fast i actually came out of there with a whole kind of like new perspective of george i was like george is like this wow there's something going on with george i just never knew well if you guys want a really good laugh yeah. bill burr the comedian yeah yeah, yeah. he did kind of like play by play on um there was a episode of the mike douglas show wow. where john lennon gets to play with chuck berry and his band oh wow and yoko kind of creeps onto the stage right and starts singing and playing bongos <laughs> or whatever and bill burr rips john and yoko a new one and basically <sighs> He's really on John's case for allowing Yoko to come in. It's right. this like iconic moment where he's playing with Chuck Berry, and, and she Yoko just sneaks in and destroys. And she him. sneaks in and <laughs> just starts wailing, and you know, it God is it's hysterical. You have to look it up. Oh my gosh! I, yeah, I think I got to see that. So, so you guys had an emotional. Mark Harmon left the show. Uh, his character left the show, and it was an emotional episode. A lot of people. Uh, you know, heartbroken because he'd been such a part, literally part of their lives for so long. And now Absolutely. Gary, Gary Cole is stepping into sort of that sort of role on the show. What is that? What was that uh, emotional episode like to film his last episode? And then how has the transition been to Gary Cole? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's something that we had planned for a while. So obviously we, you know, knew it was coming. We had, um, I mean, if you saw that last episode with Gibbs, you know, they, they took place in Alaska and we went out. I mean, we were really in Alaska in a very remote area filming all of that. So that was all real deal. None of that was effects or, you know, backdrops or any of that stuff. But um, doing that episode was... Uh, it was amazing. First off, just being in Alaska to do that goodbye was incredible. Um, Harmon, I've worked with for, you know, 18, 19 years straight on this show, hand in hand. Our characters are like a father and son. Um, I worked with, you know, I, I worked with Mark on another show called Hearts of the West when I was 15 years old. So I've known Mark since, mm. you know, 10 years before I started the show. So when we started the show, it was like, hey, man, good to see you again, because he made such an impression on me and vice versa. Back then, you know, we felt like we knew each other. And, um, you know, it was it, it 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 was really it was something where I remember that we there was kind of a, a small group of us in Alaska doing this. And in that goodbye scene, it was real easy for me to do. I mean, I'll be honest with you. And I was saying goodbye for the crew, for everyone. And not, you know, not just, not necessarily that we're never going to see Gibbs again. And I, you know, I really do mean that. Yeah, I know uh, the door is left mm -hmm. open from everything I've read. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I and, I, you know, I would not chalk that up to just saying, oh, we're, you know, the door's left open. You know, I really think there's something maybe to that. But anyway, um, you know, uh, I got to say goodbye for everyone. So it was really kind of easy. And, you know, uh, Mark and I love each other, you know, and I, I mean, I talked to him last weekend. We talked for, you know, we, well, it was texting, but we were texting back and forth for an hour about, you know, just random stuff. I mean, I love the guy's family, you know, and, and, but it was kind of a natural, it was a natural thing. You know, he, he, 
he kind of uh, appeared less and less uh, on the episodes as we we're going and going and kind of it was it felt like a natural transition into a new thing and a new dynamic which was Gary's character who was an FBI agent Parker um Alden Parker and and he uh you know he comes to Alaska basically to arrest Gibbs uh ends up kind of saying you know what screw this this isn't right because of what we were doing he kind of goes against the FBI ends up getting fired but you know the transition into his character he he joins the team and while he is filling in the position of the Gibbs kind of left open it is very very different than the Gibbs dynamic there's not that paternal family sort of dynamic we very much you know if we tried to if we brought gary into the show and anyone tried to plug him in as some sort of parental figure you know yeah, like let's yeah. pack it up and go home what the hell are we doing like right. you know let's like we've got something different here obviously like don't do the stupid thing and try and just repeat yourself and try and make something else happen that you know let it naturally progress and what seemed to kind of vibe and 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 feel right right off the the bat was you know mcgee had been kind of leading the team at this point for a number of months and you know a lot of people including our guys and 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 girls guys gals you know our our people upstairs you know the writers and and everyone felt that you know mcgee had also progressed to something you know in addition to just being a team leader so you know gary coming in there's there's more of a dynamic of equals everyone kind of is on an equal ground and there's a mutual respect and while gary will you know fulfills his character parker fulfills you know duties that 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 gibbs you know would do the, talking to the director things like that my character is part of that as well uh gary and i have a lot of scenes together our characters do a lot together um you know which is really nice and it's just been a really it's been completely like natural it hasn't been a forced thing it just feels really it feels right it feels like and i, I swear to god i'm not but i'm not bsing you i'm trying to yeah. swear i'm not bsing you like it it's starting it's 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 clicking like it's clicking and it's clicking in a way that i'm familiar with and a lot of the guys are familiar with and i don't when i say guys i mean everyone obviously so yeah, forgive right, me for right. my pronouns here um um but uh um you know it's it's it just it feels right it feels right for wilmer it feels right for katrina it feels right for gary it feels right for me it feels right for our writers binder david north our, our you know everyone and it's it's just it's almost like we've always been a very kind of we've always been very collaborative at our show much more so than than other shows especially much more so than any successful shows i can tell mm -hmm. you that because there was always a thing with us where it was almost like CBS, you know, never quite. And part of that started with, you know, the Don Belisario was the creator and showrunner. And it was, you know, technically a spinoff of Jag. Yep. So the network kind of just let it be and figured, you know, oh, it'll be a successful spinoff of Jag, just like, you know, all of Don's shows. So there was kind of a hands-off approach. And we also film up in Valencia, which is just far enough to where network people don't want to drive up and- <laughs> They don't and want to city. drive from Television City. Yeah, they don't want Valencia. to drive from Television- <laughs> Exactly, all the way up to Valencia, you know, traffic's a thing. And uh, so, you know, so there was kind of a, you know, not to at all, you know, 
you know, I'm just kind of joking about the CBS stuff, but there was, they gave us kind of a, a, a hands-off approach and let us kind of do our thing and yeah. find our thing. And they let us do that at the beginning and they're letting us do it kind of now very, you know, and it just, it, it feels right. And it's clicking. And I think the audience is feeling it and it, it feels right. And it feels different. It feels like a different show. It really feels like a different show and it should. Yeah. It should. It's the world of NCIS and the world of NCIS will never change. I mean, that's a fact, you know, characters like Dinozo exist in our world, whether or not you see him right now or not. He is very much a part of the world of NCIS as of, as is Gibbs, as is our recurrings that have been, you know, we have, we have guest stars that have been with us for 20 years. Wow. We'd be a Fornell, Agent Fornell, Joe Spano plays him. He was in the spinoff episode. He's in the next that's episode crazy. shooting. You know, and like he's been, yeah, he's been here for 20 years. He's been recurring. We've got Laura C.N.G. Como. He's been recurring for, I think, at least 10 years. Uh, Margot Harshman, who plays my wife, 11 years, you know, she's on and on. Like, hell, our background in our squad room is like 80% our retention rate. They've been there for like 15 years, I swear to God. Our background players in wow. the squad room, like wow. on the show, have been with us forever. The That's, crazy. That's crazy. That's yeah, crazy. We're a huge family. We're a huge family. And and you really are family, right? I mean, you're related to Don Bell Sario, aren't you? Yeah. Well, my my mother and Don got married. Yeah. <laughs> and his so, yeah. son and his son works on the show or did work on the show, right? His his son David Belisario worked on the show Yan yeah, Post. He he passed away about two years ago, mm. uh, oh, unfortunately. Yeah, um, but David was a wonderful, wonderful guy. Um, yeah, and, and and does your brother still work on the show? My my brother, my are you talking about Chad? Yeah, Chad. Yeah, Chad. Chad actually worked. Chad Murray works over uh, and does. Uh, he's a producer over on the LA show, uh, and he he ended up going over there doing uh i think a, a job in post uh, many you know eons ago yeah yeah you know, and, and worked his way up now to a really nice position there and, and does a lot there which is just really cool because we get to get together and talk about the franchise sure i mean you know don belisario uh who i guess is your is your stepdad stepdad is, yeah he is one of the most prolific television producers of all time maybe him and dick oh, wolf who does all the law and order sure, shows sure. Dick, yeah. um, but he's also kind of your boss at ncis right uh, oh, without a doubt yeah so, and, so what is that dynamic like well you know it's like i put it like this you know don built the ship don built the ship and we're still on the waters because don built that ship i mean it was real clear the way things uh, we're going to be not in terms of, I mean, like the, you know, just in terms of Don would write characters and you would read them and know exactly what it was. Yeah. And know the nuances of the character just through the words and what mm -hmm. wasn't on the page, including what was on the page. He's just on another level. That's why he's so successful. That's why he's got the track record that he has. Um, there's a reason his shows go for so long yeah. and his characters are so beloved, you know, quantum leap, uh, Jag, you know, I, I mean, Rockford you, files, the original Rockford I mean, hell, he was part of Battlestar Galactica. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, Airwolf, you know, yes. uh, I mean, Magnum, <laughs> Yeah, you know, beloved characters. Like, this guy knows how to make good TV. So he built the ship and we're still sailing on it. And it's just, 
you know, it's funny. I remember when I started, you know, everyone thinks like, oh, uh, you know, and, and by the way, you know, I had been long in the business before my mother had ever met Don. So, you know, right. I've been acting for forever. It wasn't a sort of deal where, you know, I had a stepdad that went, Hey kid, you want to act, you know? So it was, yeah. you know, of course, nepotism is always a wonderful thing, but, uh, uh, but you know, you, you got to know what you're doing at the end of the day. And, sure. and if you're working for Don, you better know what you're doing at the end of the day. Cause I remember I would get calls at, you know, he would get dailies, uh, after, you know, a day one or day two of the first guest star. And I, get a call from Don and hey remember he's a rookie he's a rookie he's got a you know he's, he's this he's that you know you're like you got it done you got it done so you're you're on top of it he's on top of you from the get-go you know yeah yeah he's he's really on top of you so but you know in a in a real in the best kind of way in the like I'm with you let's do this make it the best it can be kind of way you know he's the biggest cheerleader ever so it's it's just you know you know, and, and besides, you know, love that guy for many reasons. Yeah. 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 <laughs> many, many reasons. Sure. You know? Sure. Uh, some, you know, some of which are just the show he created. Hell. Yeah. That yeah. alone, you know, and on top of that, I just, I love Don. So, so you're, you're a computer expert on the show. <laughs> um, how, how much did you know about computers? I mean, and how much did you learn? And the big question, um, do do family and friends um do they ask you computer questions? <laughs> Are you like the Mac Genius guy? Well, <laughs> kind of yes, yes, and sort of, and yes. Um, there was, you know, the funny thing about technology is you step away from it for a little bit and it moves so quickly, it, it changes so much. You know, when I was 14, 15, I remember I one of my hobbies was building PCs. I got very into wow. computers. It was just, and, and literally like, I remember getting guides off of the internet on how to build computers. And I don't mean I was building, you know, micro boards and microchips, but I was getting the pieces together and, and making my own PCs. And, and, and with my brother, we were just doing it for fun. You know, we weren't, you know, we didn't have a business going or anything like that, but you know, just from that stuff, I sort of kind of inadvertently did end up being kind of a, you know, a tech advisor, I guess, if you would say that an unofficial one is my role, you know, I would see, you know, a piece of dialogue, oh, the PCI Express and download this to the upload of this. And I'd say, no, 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 guys, these terms are wrong. It needs to be this. That, wow. That. So you this really, a, you really were the there. B cable and the C cable. And oh, yeah, I know. So I was, especially in the beginning, you know, but as I, you know, alluded to earlier, we worked so bloody hard. I, I, you know, my computer days, I kind of stepped away from for a little bit. Uh, stepped away from for a little bit. And uh, I remember making the move from PC to Mac. And part yes. of that was because I got married and my wife was a Mac user and, and into the, the, the whole Apple and the, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, everything. And it was funny because we had, you know, the show actually started because someone asked me about this recently. When we started the show, iPhones weren't invented yet. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> Wow. They were invented a year after we started the show. Yeah, that's oh, amazing. In case I want to feel older, that's what I just remind myself. That's that. amazing. Hey, I want to ask you something about it. And I I don't remember specifically your role in this movie, or but this boy's life was the first time I ever saw Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. Um, and you you were in that, right? As a child yeah, actor, yeah, yeah. you were in that yeah, movie? I did. Yeah, that was an early role I did, a, a small smaller, you know, definitely a small role, but I was there for probably three weeks when we shot in the, 
we were in the middle of this. Uh, we were in the middle of Washington State in a, a town called Concrete, Washington. Now, did you have scenes with DiCaprio? Yeah, I did, and I and I actually knew Leo from kind of the young actor circuit. You know, back then in the you know early '90s, you know, there was kind of there there wasn't that many of us, and there was kind of a type, and and Leo and I were a pretty similar type back then. So him and I were at a lot of the same auditions for the same parts, and I knew him socially. I mean, I used to play Street Fighter Two with the kid. Huh. I've been like, I'd say, kid, he's two years older than me. I used to play Street Fighter Two with him, like a, you know, on Olympic down at the Seven Eleven, honestly, and and. Um, you know, I knew him and I knew him from auditions and this and that, and I knew him socially a little bit, but when we went to go do boys life, you know, I actually went, I was kind of down to the wire for that lead role on there. It actually mm. was down to four of us. Uh, Warner brothers had, had so a, you had were up team. for, you were up for the lead. I was up for the lead role. Up. It was, it was down to Leo, myself, um, an unknown Toby Maguire wow. and a kid oh, named God. Chris Pettit. Yeah, um, who who I don't know if Chris Pettit's around anymore, but he was kind of hot. He did this. It's such little... an amazing. I, I mean, I remember yeah. that movie as the first time I ever saw Leo and thought, "Wow, that that kid, that oh, kid well, is something." Let me tell you something. We we you know uh, we we all went in on like a Saturday morning at Warner Brothers and read with De Niro. Each of us, we went in. Wow. And, oh, it was mm. something I'll never forget. I was I was a fourteen, I think, but I'll never forget it. It was. I, I remember coming in and like you know. De Niro is standing there and his hair is kind of, he looked like he just woke up and he, you know, super nice guy puts his hand. And he says, Hey, I'm Bobby. And I remember just kind of going, yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and even at 14, you know, young actor, you know, who Bobby De Niro is sure. But anyway, I mean, that was a magical kind of thing. Look, I, I got to spend an hour in a room with De Niro and Michael Keane Jones, the director and a guy on a, you know, camera, just reading scenes. It wow. Was that's it was crazy. A blast. I'll never that's forget crazy. that. You know, you never forget that stuff. Those are actor adventures, but Anyway, we all did that. They ended up going with Leo. Uh, Michael Caine Jones was still, you know, kind of a fan of Toby and myself. So he gave us smaller roles in, in the movie. Uh, I mean, pretty small roles, but, you know, yeah. there, there wasn't a lot to play other than, you know, sure, than, sure. You know, there. And, and, but anyway, we, we went to go film it, fly out, you know, they were out in Washington. I fly out to Washington to go do the thing. We go out. I remember the scene is uh, uh, us on our way to school, I think. And the the, you know, a feminine kid uh, is at the school, you know, who everyone picks on and bullies is yep. coming up and a fight starts and he ends up kicking Leo's ass. And, the, you know, this whole anyway, we go out, we start rehearsing within like 10 minutes. And I'm 14, you know, within 10 minutes, I am overwhelmed with the feeling of holy this kid is going to be a movie star wow like oh my god and i knew this kid like uh, you know i had plenty of interactions with him and but when we started working together i was like oh my god i've never seen anything like this like this kid is just oh my god mm. and i was 14 so you know then of course i'm questioning myself and my kids got it figured out yeah you know and uh but anyway, you know, he was a good dude and we had fun and we were there a couple of weeks just kind of on, you know, I, it was a real smart, a small part that I did, but it was, I was there for a few weeks because, yeah, you know, yeah. you jump around shooting different things. Sure. And, uh, but yeah, when we did, I just remember thinking like, 
yeah, I can see why he booked that one. <laughs> I know why he booked that one. Yeah. And then I saw the movie and I was like, yep, he's a movie star. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then, and then I had booked a movie called, uh, Hocus Pocus. A sure. Disney movie called mm -hmm. Hocus Pocus. Right. Doing, um, this, uh, you played Binks, Binks right? Right. Thackeray Binks. Yeah. The uh, human form of Thackeray Banks. And uh, Leo was actually going to do, uh, and I don't know how many people know this, but Leo was actually going to do the character, the, the Max character um, really? in that movie. He was set to do that. And it, kind of at the last minute, well, I don't know if it was the last minute. I don't want to, you know, but he ended up pulling out to do Gilbert Grape. Wow. And Gilbert Grape wow. was a script that was floating around and everyone was kind of like, what the hell is this script? Like, I remember the script floating around. Every agent was like, this is a weird thing. Like, who knows what this yeah, yeah, yeah. movie like, you know, yeah. but anyway, he pulled out to do Gilbert Grape and uh, a lot of people thought he was nuts. You know, business people thought he was crazy. Of course, big Disney movie. You know, what do you think? You don't, you know, anyway, obviously. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, but uh, um, oh, man, it's funny because it's well, it's not funny, but uh, uh I remember, well, I remember going and seeing Gilbert Grape and uh, and knowing immediately why he pulled out to go do that movie. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah it's so and, good. And just knowing him, just I was looking at him going, is that the same person I know? Yeah. He was just so enveloped in what he was doing in every single way, you know. You know, people have different ways of working. Some, you know, use, some, you know, actors all have different things they use. Some people pull from certain things, personal things. Some people pull from mimicry. Some people pull from both. Some people pull from so many different things. Yeah. So like all the different pieces of him that, that enabled him to do that character. It, it was just magic. It was magic. Mm -hmm. It was unbelievable. I mean, I mean, let's be honest, 98% of people that watched that movie and didn't know him, thought that they had gotten a mentally challenged kid to be in a movie. Yes. Mm. Yes. I mean, that, that they did not think that was, you know, a, a just, you know, a, 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 a regular actor, you know? Um, so it just, yeah. Leo is, uh, he deserves it, man. Yeah. He's the so, dude. He's the man. So 19 years. I mean, in, have there ever been temptations to do something else, to walk away from this show? Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> It's funny because that's a, that's a conversation that, uh, you know, I, that I have sometimes that, you know, of course, over 19 years, you're going to have every once in a while. And, uh, hell, Michael Weatherly called me two weeks ago and we talked for two hours about this. You know, he, hmm. he left the show, I think in season 12 or 13 or something, he went off to do bowl, you know, which yeah, went right. for, I think is six years. And he, I think now he's announced, you know, that they're stepping down from that and that's done. Um, you know, but, but, you know, it's just kind of, I, again, to kind of a testament to the world of NCIS, Michael calls me and he talks to me about Denozo more than anything in the world, because he loves that. He loves that character in that world. You know, not to mean that that's all we talk about. Obviously we're great friends, old friends. We talk about so many things, you know, family and then, you know, philosophize about life and everything else. So, yes. you know, you know how that goes. So. But uh, it, it's just we talk we talk sometimes about how, you know, something I alluded to earlier again, you know, a lot of people think the grass is green or somewhere else. And that's yeah. not always the case. And I've been around just long enough to know that if something's working and if you feel it and, you know, everyone around you is working hard. And it's something and you're on to something. Stick around. Yeah. Yeah. Something good can happen.
So last last thing I want to talk to you about is David Lynch. You're a big David Lynch fan. Oh, and yeah. I think the guy is one of the great American filmmakers. Oh, I'm with um, you, brother. I'm with uh, you. Blue Velvet, I think, is a is just a perfect movie. I agree. His masterpiece. From beginning to end, every frame. 100%. I was 100%. once doing an interview with Siskel and Ebert while they were still uh, while both were, st- I'm, Gene may still be alive. I'm not sure, but right. it was, it was the peak of their show sure, and I was sure. in a studio with them and they argued about blue velvet. I, they, I kind of, I think I re- either at least read about this or have seen a video of that. They may have been even included it on a DVD bonus. Gene just hated blue velvet and Roger oh, thought it, it death, was right. <laughs> and Roger just thought it was the greatest thing, greatest in the world. thing you'd ever seen. Yeah. yeah. So what is it about David Lynch that you love? I, you know, there's, you know, Blue Velvet is definitely, I think, his masterpiece. Yeah. But another, you know, I think if he's got another masterpiece, it's Mulholland Drive. Oh, no mm-hmm. question. And and I, I mean, I think that's one of the most underrated movies ever. I mean, it was obviously a pretty celebrated Lynch film. But yes. the way actually it even came about is amazing. The fact that it was made as a pilot for a television show. A lot of yeah. people don't know this. I didn't know it was that. Made, yeah, it was made as a a pilot for a television show that it didn't get picked up. Um, so he bought the footage back. I think he got the funding, bought the footage back, got the funding to finish it as a film, mm. basically kind of reworked his ideas of it. But, you know, I think the way Lynch works, you know, I don't know him personally, I can't attest to how he works, but I think a lot of the, I think one way Lynch works is sometimes he doesn't even quite know why he's going in a certain direction, but he's feeling it out. He's a painter. He knows he's going in the right direction. Even if it's big blots of ink, it's, there's a pattern that he's vibing and and, and moving towards. A lot of people walk out and and I do. Uh, Mulholland drive is one where I saw and thought, you know, just completely brilliant. I think he was nominated for best director for that. Yeah. And I think he was nominated for best director. I remember. Um, But I, but I came out of it with questions like what, what did that mean? What does that mean? And I think I don't mind that. Like I I don't mind a movie that, that makes me think and makes me wonder and captures my imagination in that way. Oh, those are my favorites. Those are absolutely my favorite. And my favorite Lynch stuff is the things that not only maybe answer or allude to some of the big questions going on, but even make them bigger. Yeah. And yeah. even get and, and and give more to think about. That they're haunting. I mean Lynch's movies are haunting. Yes, they are. You think about them for the rest of your life after you see a Lynch movie. You really do. Yeah. And like I mean Mulholland Drive, what he turned that into was just unbelievable. And I actually was able to uh you know I got lucky. I was able to get a hold of the pilot tape and see what it originally was and then know what the movie became. And he was kind of onto what he was doing anyway, obviously, but you know, things kind of take, take shape of its own thing and it became its, its deal. And I just was so blown away by it, but there was a thing like, it was almost like with Mulholland drive. There's almost like a, through a dream logic, through almost dream logic, he can express characters and emotions and things that, that you couldn't feel in a linear, just straight yes. logical kind of way. You know, it, it, it's like in Mulholland Drive. By it, it's so funny. I always think about. I, I called my mother and I said, you know, oh, by any chance did you see Mulholland Drive? They go to the movies a lot. You know, she goes, uh, you know, yeah, I went and saw Mulholland Drive. I thought it was great, but then we got confused because they started calling each other by different names. <laughs> and, but it was really nice. And I was like, oh, mom, I love you. God bless you. Um, you know. But by by doing that, 
by doing that, by you seeing that and then learning what really is going on there, you feel like to me, that's a story about a failed actress in this industry. And you feel what that dread and that how hard that was for her. If you were telling a linear story that never would have come off like anything like that. Yeah. Instead, you've got the depths of this character and how much it got to her and in and, and such this way, you know, that that really you can spell it out. And it's a pretty linear kind of story if you work out kind of, you know, the dream logic and what's real and what's not. Sure. And that stuff. But at the same time, like what you're talking about, there are bigger questions that are still left there, yep. you know. What's the thing in the back of the alley, man? Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. All that. So it's funny you talked about explaining movies. I I generally um, explain a lot of movies to my mom and uh, <laughs> my her boyfriend. <laughs> I didn't bother with that one. I was just like, yeah, no, it was good. Yeah. So <laughs> like, I read, I have, read about it. Read about yeah, it. Right, so right, far right. this There's year, I've ex- I've explained Power of the Dog. Mm, um, mm. I explained The Lost Daughter. Like these right. movies require explanations because they do easily get confused. They do. Um, and, you know, it's funny. Like, I'll, I'll tell you, like, I recently saw Tenet. Yes. And I, you oh, know. Easy, easy, by the way, to get but, confused in Tenet, right? Uh, and this is what I'm about to say is is that, like, like, you know, look, all props to Christopher Nolan and he's done amazing things. But I watched Tenet and it's like a friggin' algebra problem. It really I'm is. I'm like, <laughs> I need to, like, take notes. I need to journal this. I need to watch it four or five times and reverse and forwards. And, you know, I, I don't want that anymore. I'm sorry. I, I, I do appreciate all the art and work that goes into that. But that's just a little much for me. <laughs> it is a lot. It is yeah, a lot. that's just a little much for me. It's, it's so funny when you see a movie like that that is so complex where you right. kind of, like, have to like take a class you yeah know? that's what i'm saying i mean <laughs> I think learn about it i think i think there needs to be an elective about tenant because like you need the, the courses like weeks to learn how the hell that happened because i've i've worked in years in reality tv and i had right. gotten notes like why did somebody like walk out the door and it's like are you serious <laughs> do you really think that the audience is wondering why they walked out the door to go outside right you know, they, they're going like, somewhere I know actors that have asked how to walk out a door how about that or or like or like how did they get there like they it's like they feel like they had to spoon feed the yeah. audience oh, every oh, step no, no, of no, the that's, way that's a you know what that's the you're speaking to the choir here. I, that's a that's an argument. I uh, th- that's a fight that I battle with all the time. You know, yeah. Guys, let's not spoon feed it. Let's make sure you know we give give the audience the benefit of the doubt here. They're a lot smarter than we give them credit for. So let's yeah, let's try not to just appeal to the lowest common denominator. Right, and, right. You know, you know what I mean? Sure. Right, right. right. Smart, Either man. keep it yeah. smart. Right. Yeah. Either they walk there, they took a bicycle, or they got in a car. Right. You know. Right. You can't figure out how they got there. Then I don't know. Yeah. Who you cares? Know, they yeah, got whatever. there. They're there. Deal with it. Uh, well, listen. NCIS is on Monday nights on CBS. Sean, this has been really fun, man. Thank you very much. Thanks, Steve. Thanks. You guys were great. Thank you so much. And there is Sean Murray. Uh, fun conversation. The, did you watch the Beatles documentary? The I, one haven't on seen, I, no, I haven't Plus? seen it. I haven't seen it. No, I so seen good. It it's I so know. good. It's you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me a little bit of Tick, Tick, Boom, because you see the creative process. It's really just them in a studio trying to figure it out. And, you know, it leads to their very final performance together, which was they were doing all this at Apple Studios. Their final performance together was on the roof of the Apple Studios in London. Mm-hmm. So it's all leading up to that. You, there's, they're 
guarantee was they would finish an album in a certain amount of time and then perform it on the roof. It's, it's an amazing documentary. It's hard to believe that they weren't together for that long. That was a very short period of time. What was it, like five years or yeah, something? Yeah, no, it was really short. I mean, you go back to their sessions in Germany. I think it was Hamburg, the Hamburg sessions, they call mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. Somebody, somebody will let me know if I'm wrong. Uh, but they, they played in Germany for a long time, and they sort of found their groove. Then they came to back to London signed a record deal. And all of a sudden, you're right. It was really like five years. And they released so many albums during that period. They were so productive during that period of, uh, of music. You know who I feel so bad for? Peter, Pete Stark. Pete Best. Pete Best. There you go. Pete Best. I had a friend who does stand up and he was saying, this is Pete Best every day of his life. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, I forget. I read a big book about I don't know if he left because he wanted to or he left because he wasn't invited back. I've heard so many stories. I heard that, you know, he had a certain charm that took away from Paul and John and they didn't want him in the band. Um, I, I don't know. And, and you know, Ringo, I don't know if Ringo was as good of a drummer but i heard that he just had a style and personality yeah and yeah i think he probably just fit in more with the vibe of the vet of the band right too. by the way david lynch are you a david lynch fan i am yeah i wrote my one of my college theses is that the word thesis is or thesis your thesis my one of my college thesis is was on blue velvet And my argument was that every single frame, every single scene contributes to David Lynch's final point, which is under everything, behind everything, beyond everything is danger. It's, but it's underneath, it's hiding. Like there's a shot in that opens the movie where he's sort of scanning green grass and then he goes underneath the green grass and there are all these bugs. And so he really captures sort of the, the, the total theme of blue velvet in that one opening scene. It's a genius movie. It really is. And that's a true story about being in a room with Siskel and Ebert where they were arguing with me. I love the movie. So I was on Roger Ebert's side. All of a sudden, Gene Siskel is attacking me because I'm sided with Roger Ebert on blue velvet. It was an unbelievable interview. I somewhere I've got a copy of that. That was for the Snyder show. And, and what was it that he didn't like about the movie? Remember? Uh, I don't. We'd have to go back and read the review because I can't imagine someone who whose job it is to. He to, didn't just not like the movie. He hated the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But like a film critic. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out because it, to me, it was such a brilliant film. You know, I mean, I just can't imagine. I, I, I'm just so curious as to what what he hated about it. The one thing I came away uh, with, with from that interview is that all the stuff you saw between Siskel and Ebert, all the sniping back and forth and all the argument, hundred percent true. Mm. They really, I, I mean, I'm sure they respect, they did respect each other, but they disagreed and they did go back and forth. They didn't necessarily get along very well, 
while they were doing the show because there was a lot of spit and vinegar in that argument about Blue Velvet. Right. Well, that's what you want to see. I mean, you don't want to yeah. see two film critics who just agree about everything. You know, yes. you want to see that disparity. Between yeah, they them. were they yeah. were quite disagreeable at times, quite disagreeable. But David Lynch, I actually heard him speak um, at a TM event. Um, he's into transcendental meditation. Oh, yeah. And um, and it was very and he's been doing it a really long time. Do you time. have a mantra? You're sure, never supposed to say it. I'm not telling you what it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're never supposed to say it. But well, it's like I, I did club. club. You don't talk I about also Fight did, Club. I also did TM training. I don't know. That was a joke. Anymore. That was a joke. Fight no, Club. You don't talk about club. Fight Club. Exactly. Uh, yeah, no, I don't do TM anymore. I do meditate. I'm pretty mm-hmm. good at meditating. I'm not a bad meditator. I use that app called Headspace. Do you what, do, what do you mean? What, what do you mean you're not a bad meditator? <laughs> what does that mean? It means I, I get to it like four times a week. Yeah. Okay. I see what you mean. Yeah. I mean, I'm good at like clearing my mind. My mind needs cleared. I've got a lot of stuff that needs to go in there. Oh, oh, oh so, I know. <laughs> I'm good at clearing my mind, but I only do it like three, four times a week. So I'm I'm not necessarily the best meditator. There are a lot of people that are better. There um, is no bad meditating. Tr- true. Good point. It's the lesson of the day. Uh, well, thank you very much to Sean Murray. That was really fun. Uh, we want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. We love that when you do it. Uh, Leave us a rating and a review. Sue, great seeing you. You too. We'll talk soon and see you next time on the Culture Pop Podcast.